All right. Um, so we are in Luke chapter 8, starting with verse 40, and we're going to verse 56 today. It's one, it's kind of like two stories in one, but it's, it, um, it's, like, a, it's like a Jesus on the move story uh, that all happens in like one continuous move. So now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him, and they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house, because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Jesus said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James, and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished because he ordered them not to. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Um, All right, some stuff going on in the story. Um, So we have a father who is. Desperate and is, will do anything at this point to, uh, to save his daughter. Uh, it, it's somewhat interesting that he is the ruler of a synagogue. And um, one of the things that you see in Mark in particular is the number of synagogue rulers that reject Jesus and want nothing to do with him. We don't know really what Jerry has thought about Jesus ahead of time, but we know that your daughter gets sick. Um, you get pretty desperate and you'll do just about anything. And that's what it is that we see here. Um, we see that the, Jesus has not reached the tipping point yet of his ministry. That's going to happen in one more chapter, meaning uh, for the most part, like the crowds are still growing. Um, for the most part, like his popularity is on the rise. People have heard in advance that he's coming. Um, the crowds are almost crushing him at this point. You see a couple of other cases where like um, there's so much uh, excitement about what it is that Jesus is bringing to the table, what it is that he's doing. He's in like physical danger uh, because they're so excited about it. That happens here. Um, the thing that is, so this is a, this particular story, particularly the story about the woman who is bleeding um, is of personal significance to me because this was like one of the sermons that was very influential in me coming to faith was this story um, in the story of the woman. And so, yeah, this is, I mean, it's always, for me, it's always a pleasure to return to this story because it reminds me of what it is that one of the compelling things that brought me to faith. Um, and there are a couple of things that happen here that I'd like to highlight. And we'll just go over some things that we did at Easter because I think it's just fun for Randy and Bethany. Um, 
one of those things is the, this woman is going to Jesus and she's saying in her in, in her mind, um, what does she say? Uh, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years, but no one could heal her. Um, verse forty-seven. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go and notice, came trembling at his feet in the presence of all the people. She told why she had touched him, and how she be how she had been instantly healed. In another gospel, it kind of gives us like what the woman is thinking about, and she's thinking in her mind, if I could just touch his cloak, if I could just touch the hem of her his garment, I know that I could be healed. Um, and so what Jesus is doing is he's wearing um, a prayer shawl. Um, it's called a kanaf, and at the um, at the the edges of the prayer shawl, there are these things that are like tassels. You can see this on like Orthodox Jews today, uh, and those tassels are called sitzio. Um, in in Hebrew, and so what it is that she's doing is she's grabbing out like the edge of that the edge of that garment called the sitzio, and the which are those like those little tassel things, and historically what we know is that a lot of these synagogue rulers the way that they would close the service is these synagogues are oftentimes meeting in the round, and so they would stand up in the middle and they would give what's called the ironic not ironic be Aaronic um, benediction, where it says um, it's the the blessing that Aaron gives, like one of the first blessings that we like official liturgical blessings that we have in Scripture. It's called the Aaronic A A R O N I C benediction, and so they would close it, and when they would do it, they would lift their arms like this, um, and because of the shape of the prayer shawl, it would look like they had wings. Um, and what eventually happened is that there is a popular myth, and a myth, but like folklore. That developed that would, that said like you you would know the coming of the Messiah because there would be healing in his wings, um, and you see this in one of the like one of the major or excuse me one of the minor prophets and it talks about how there will be healing in the wings of the Messiah, and so they started to like understand they started to think that literally in the in the cloak itself on the Messiah, there would be healing, that you would know who the Messiah was because there would be healing in his wings. The wings is the same word for kanaf, which is the prayer shawl. Within, within the prayer shawl, there would be healing on the cloak of the Messiah himself. Um, and so this woman, when she's thinking to herself, if I could just grab his cloak, I know I would be healed. She is demonstrating that she thinks that this man is the Messiah. That's what's happening here. And so like all the people are going to be very, very shocked for that to happen, that that would happen. And so she's immediately healed. Um, the second thing I think just to, to, to get, uh, talk about, it says in verse 48, then he said to her, Jesus says, there's daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace. Um, that word peace is huge in our understanding of what salvation means. Um, because for this woman, the day of salvation has come. Um, sometimes... The way Jesus talks about it is salvation has visited that house. And Jesus' understanding of salvation and our understanding of salvation tend to be a little bit different. Um, and it is all wrapped up in that word peace, which is also on my wrist, which is, this is the sermon why I got this tattoo. Um, it's the word shalom. Uh, and it means the presence of wholeness. Um, and when we talk about wholeness, what we're talking about is wholeness on every single level. So spiritual wholeness, there's nothing that now separates me from God. Physical wholeness, my body is physically well. Mental wholeness, my capacities in my mind are working the way that they're meant to work. 
emotional wholeness. The things that are frayed in my life, either in me or the way that I relate to other people, have been healed. Um, And what this woman is experiencing is that kind of wholeness because not only is her body healed, not only has, um, in, in one in, in the book of Mark, it talks about like how this woman, Jesus forgives this woman's sins. Um, it's like, daughter, your faith has healed you. Your sins are forgiven. Go in peace. Um, but there is this, there's this other thing that's happening with her relationships. Because if she is bleeding for 12 years, the way that this culture works, and it's taking the law and it's warping it, is she has been, she is ceremonially unclean. Um, because of the, the, the menstruation that she is essentially experiencing nonstop, um, we don't know like how much blood, how much blood doesn't actually matter. Um, it is the, the, the fact that she is bleeding isn't the point, like physically speaking. It's probably not that she's like physically unwell and she's just like, it's just awful all the time. The issue is the relationships because she is bleeding. She is ceremonially unclean. When you're ceremonially unclean and it has to do with blood, you cannot be around anyone else. In the same way, what's up, Sam? In the same way that lepers are rejected by the community and they have to go live in their own leper colony outside of the walls, this woman would have had the exact same experience. So we don't know if she's married. We don't know if she has kids. We don't know if she has family. We don't know what her friends are like. We don't know any of that. All we know is that for 12 years, she's been a societal reject. Like she has not been allowed to be around community except for people who are also rejected by this group of people. Reject might be a strong word in the sense that they probably didn't want to do this. There wasn't like any implicit like, I don't want to be around you kind of thing. It's just like, this is just the way things are, right? Like you're a leper, you're gone. If you're going to be bleeding, you're away from me. You're ceremonially unclean. So what Jesus is doing here is the wholeness that he brings is not just to her physical body, probably more important to her is like the relationship that's happening with all of the people around her. If she's married with her kids, with her family, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, her best friend, she's probably a godmother to someone. Like we, we don't know. Like all of those relationships are now available to her in a way that they weren't available to her. And so when we talk about salvation and the freedom that Jesus brings and the victory that he brings on the cross, it is not just the thing that the the barrier that was in front of you between you and God is now removed and you're now good, though that is true. It's just that it's much bigger than that. Um, And the problem that I think many of us have when we think about salvation as it relates to Jesus is that we want to make it a small thing. And the fact of the matter is that our mind can't comprehend the fullness of the salvation that Jesus brings. Like, however big you think it is, it's a hundred million times bigger. Like, we cannot wrap our minds around the bigness of what wholeness means in our life and in the life of all of creation. We can't do it. Um, And for this woman, it was not, all right, the pain is gone or the cramping is gone or the whatever is gone. It's you get your whole life back. And for us, that's what we get back. Like the healing of Jesus um, is for us the reality that we get our whole life back. Not the life that we've chosen, but the life that we've been created for. Like the life that we've chosen is infected by the virus of sin. But the life that we are given 
is one of freedom and finality. Like one that we are, we are promised a life, like in the, in the same way that like we talk about like how a father will have a twinkle in his eye. Um, there is a twinkle in the father's eye when he created you, when he saw you, when he, when he saw you being knit together in your mother's womb of what you fully flourishing would look like. And that through salvation is what you are being offered. And this woman is getting a taste of that. Like she's eventually, she's dead now, right? Like she has eventually died. This is a story from 2000 years ago. She got a taste of what she is now living in. And that is the life that awaits us. Like we get a taste and a fuller flourishing in this life that will eventually be brought to finality. And so in, the, in this story, that is, that's what the good news looks like. You also have a girl who's, I love that, that it says like right at the end in verse 55, where Jesus says, my child, get up. Um, I, I'm, this is sort of like the passage that I'm going to be chewing on for the rest of the day in verse 55. It says, her spirit returned. I get, just it was reading that this morning. I just get this picture of like this girl who's just laying there and is dead. And you get this picture of like this spirit returning to her. Um, if you've seen, uh, if you've watched the Harry Potter movies, in the, the third one, The Prisoner of Azkaban, um, there's this really cool sequence where like this Dementor is sucking out the spirit of Sirius Black. And you, this, this spirit is like, um, sort of like symbolized in this little beam of light, this ball of light that's coming out of his mouth. Um, and the picture I just got this morning is like that, that beam of light, just like in, this, in the movie, like goes back into Sirius Black. And he's like reanimated. Like he comes back to life. Um, it's the same kind of picture. The spirit returns to this little girl and she's reanimated. She comes back to life. She was dead. And she's now alive. Um, so I just want just to think about that. For, for me, like as I think about, like, you know, that's what the text says. What is the spirit stirring in me? What am I going to do about it? I don't fully know this morning at this point, like exactly what it is um, that the spirit is stirring in me. But it's something around that picture in scripture about her spirit returning. And so the, what am I taking away? Really specifically, it's I just want to keep chewing on that, that verse 55. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Excuse me. <laughs> Her spirit returned, and at once she stood up. Um, yeah, so it's kind of where we are today. It's what the text is, is after. I know it's, it's one that we taught on just a few months ago, but it's still a good text to always come back to, at least for me.